The views expressed in this podcast are solely those of the speaker. This podcast is for informational purposes only and is not a substitute for professional medical advice from your own physician. Great. Well, welcome. Um, Great to set off this podcast where uh, we're going to talk about the paper recently out in North American Spine Journal entitled Implant Insight to Assembly for All Posterior Lumbar Vertebral Column Resection, a Technical Note. Uh, I'm Jonathan Grauer, uh, Editor-in-Chief of North American Spine Society Journal. And could you introduce yourself? And I am Roland Rolds. I'm Senior Physician at the uh, Department of Neurosurgery at the University uh, Medical Center Freiburg in Germany. Fantastic. Well, welcome. And uh, thank you very much for the uh, paper uh, that recently came out. And, and just to get things started, I'm wondering if you can just tell us a little about the paper and the technique that you describe. So essentially what we were looking for was a less invasive way to perform um, 360-degree column resections at the lumbar spine, um, especially um, under, uh, in light of the, the fact that we are facing more people who might not do well with um, large interventions, especially uh, the elderly population of patients. So we were kind of inspired by all posterior approaches that were developed at the thoracic spine um, and tried to transfer this to the lumbar spine to make these interventions, which are commonly performed um, in a dual approach, like an anterior or retroperitoneal approach um, to to transfer them as well to a posterior only approach. Fantastic, great. And and the the images and the illustrations in the paper really look good showing that. One of the things I just noticed from a technical perspective is that you talked about taking down both pedicles, where a lot of these in the thoracic were kind of going down one side. I'm speculating that so you can get out additional bone and clear the end plates, but you know, it's always that balance of stability and all. I wonder if you could talk a little about that portion of the technique. Well, um, especially um, at the thoracic spine, um, I take down both pedicles if I do a 360 degree uh, degree resection in order to get the um, the spinal cord mobile, so I can push it over to the other side. Um, and if there is no space because the pedicle is there, I feel um, that removing the pedicle creates that space that is necessary for a safe uh, and gentle retraction of the of the spinal cord. And at the lumbar spine, um, because the um, discs are very large and they should be removed entirely to allow a large footprinted implant to go in. Um, in my perspective, it's, it's uh, necessary to um, resect, um, at least in part, both pedicles in order to get a, a good dissection plane for, for the um, discs. Fantastic. It makes sense. Um, and then, I, you know, certainly one of the, the real novel things in my read of this is assembling it in situ. You know, I, I think about a case where I was doing a lower lumbar um, vertebrectomy and you try to use traditional implants and and using the expander, just watching the nerve roots stretch to the point where I had a lot of angst with that. So I I completely, you know, can see the advantages of assembling it in situ, but maybe you can tell us a little bit about kind of how that works. Well, I mean, um, in situ uh, assembly of the implant, of course, requires an implant that is capable 
uh, of doing that. And that requires a clip-on design of the end plates. And um, almost all implants available out there uh, in the market, they are not designed for um, with a clip-on design. So in situ assembly is not possible, not feasible with most implants. Um, and uh, because they are, uh, the, the end plates are attached with a screw usually um, that is in a 180 degree direction attached to the central element, uh, to the distraction element. Now we have a, uh, an implant that we commonly use for, for um, column resections and, and or um, anterior column reconstructions um, that has large footprinted end plates and the central element clips on to these. And this allows inside in of assembly. And uh, like this, we can use the, the corridor between the nerve roots and the dural tube um, to insert like 32 millimeter end plates, place them against the adjacent vertebra, and then uh, place the, the distraction element, clip it on and uh, perform the distraction. We are still not perfectly happy because uh, as you said, um, stretching of the root and, and so on, it, it, it's still, happens to a degree that is at the borders of our, of our comfort, <laughs> at the limits of what we feel is, um, is, is good. But that is more of a, a technical thing. A slimmer implant um, would be nice. And especially the, 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 the tool that places um, the implant. Um, if that could be uh, slimmer, and there are uh, manufacturers out there who provide such, um, such tools, um, that would be a real, uh, real advantage in the technique. And I would think, I mean, at the depth that you're working and the visualization, how is the engagement? I mean, obviously one of the concerns I would think would be is, are you adequately engaged with that end plate with the core? And, you know, how have you felt that's worked out? Have you felt confident in that? Is it visualization, feel? How has that felt to you? No, you can actually, um, you can see it when you have um, uh, 100% uh, like a perfect attachment of the end plate, you can see it because uh, it's a very simple mechanism mechanism of uh, of a couple of dents that go into uh, <laughs> I don't know the English word. Um, and uh, when it's perfectly attached, you can see that you just pull the drill tube a little bit aside, and you can perfectly see it um, when it's when it's properly attached. Fantastic. And, and so, I mean, I guess one of the questions as people read this and think, oh, well, wow, this is something I want to put in my armamentarium is how generalizable is this to kind of implants in general, if it's specific to this one, kind of availability for you and for other countries? Uh, maybe you can tell us a little bit about that. Um, yeah, the, uh, um, the implant is provided by a German, German uh, manufacturer, um, Ulrich Medical. It's called the, the Obelisk. And and um, this implant is available worldwide. I, I asked people at the company and they told me it's available in 36 countries, uh, including Japan, the US and so forth. Um, so um, it's widely available and um, it's truly the only one I could find on the market that has a true clip on design of these end plates uh, that doesn't require an additional, additional screw attachment, screw, securing of the end plate or so on. Um, because, um, I, and that in my interpretation, nobody ever kind of um, had that in mind when designing those in, in, uh, implants that in situ assembly might be, might be um, worthwhile. 
Yeah, I feel like some of the other ones I've done without a screw, but like it's a back table impacting the end plate on. And, and so yeah. I'd be worried about doing that in situ. Exactly, you can't, you, you, yeah, you need a force that comes from, from a direction where you can't come in situ, yeah. Yeah, that's true. Fantastic. Maybe you could tell us a little about the cases you've used it for. I mean, I know that's kind of covered in the in the manuscript, but but in terms of what you see as best applications for this. So um, uh, we um, we did um, oncological cases and um, infectious case, cases and also uh, deformity cases uh, stemming from from an uh, old osteoporotic fracture that was fusioned, and in 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 my opinion, um, the all posterior approach is always um, is, is ideal for um, diseases that affect both the posterior and the anterior elements. So, I don't I, I don't I don't think there is much of an advantage if you have no affection of the posterior elements, where you could just do a, a lateral uh, vertebral uh, vertebral um, resection. And insert an implant that's not too much an, of, a, of a large um, surgery. That is something that our most spine surgeons are familiar with. But if you have to do both an anterior and a posterior resection, might that be due to tumor? Might that be due to um, um, a compression um, that you don't feel comfortable to uh, decompress from, from anteriorly? Uh, then you simply save an additional approach for resection um, because you can resect it. You can truly perform a 360 degree resection um, of the lamina, uh, both pedicles, even the pros uh, transverse processes and the entire vertebra, of course. Um, and uh, what, what I also feel is, um, is a true advantage is that you do the, um, the large bony resection you do that in a, in a prone position. So whenever you need to, you need to correct deformity, like at lower doses, um, the positioning of the patient, will that do for yourself? Or, or you, don't have to do, you don't have to do anything. It's more like the opposite. You have to, you have to somehow stop the, the other elements, or the, the posterior elements from the adjacent vertebra to, to uh, collapse. Um, and you will get a very good correction of, uh, of deformity um, when you do an all posterior resection. Fantastic. Good. You know, as people kind of consider this, uh, are there technical pearls, having now done it a number of times, are there things that you would point out to people that you feel like either you've learned along the way or portions of the way you do it that you think would be worth sharing? Yeah. Um, well, in general, I believe that um, the challenges of the procedure lie within the resection. So um, I think an all posterior uh, 360 degree column resection of the uh, of lumbar vertebra is something challenging. And I feel the most challenging part is uh, a perfect dissection of the lower disc because this requires an approach that goes through the axilla of the lower nerve root. And you have to have perfect display of that. You have to dissect it perfectly. Um, and you kind of use um, strength with very uh, structures that must not be injured. So um, I think the, the, the surgical challenges must be kept in mind. You have to, have to know um, 
what you're up to. You have to know that, that this is um, something um, that is surgically challenging and you have to focus for, um, for a certain time. The assembly of the implant itself and placing the implant itself is simple if it's well prepared. If you have the end plates perfectly prepared, especially the uh, anterior aspect of the, and the, the anterior and lateral aspect, you really need to, in order to place a, large, place a large end plate, you have to really meticulously prepare the end plate to place this, uh, um, the, 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 the vertebral end plate in order to, to put the implant. And um, this is something that, that I feel is technically challenging. Um, and also I would say that given the, the, the implants that are, or the implant that is available at the moment, it is still quite large and it requires a certain mobilization of the neural structure. And therefore also the, the roots, at least the, the, from the side where the axis is chosen, they must be properly displayed, especially the lower root um, must be perfectly displayed in order to have it mobile. Yeah. Great. And are you using uh, temporary rods as a routine or, or not needed in general? Um, uh, I think it's a very nice, uh, nice way to, to do that. Um, I haven't needed it yet. I, um, I, until now I have just placed, um, um, I don't know the English word, I'm sorry, <laughs> um, uh, something to hold the, the wound open, uh, the uh, distractor or the- Like a laminar spreader? Laminar spreader, yeah. Okay. Uh, I just put that in um, between the, the, the spinous processes um, to prevent uh, too much of a, of a collapse. And um, that, that was enough. But I, I think placing, a, especially um, when working at the, at, uh, at the thoracic spine, where you definitely must be careful with um, compression of the spinal cord, I think there placing, um, placing a temporary rod is a very good technique. Fantastic. Well, this sounds really exciting. Are there any other things you wanna share with everyone? Is there anything I want to share? <clears throat> I um I think it's um it's an a, a technique that must be um, carefully developed because it's uh, I mean we we um, approached uh, your journal and um, presented the first uh, four cases that we've done and we have done uh, four more cases uh, so far some of them also and that is what I I think is um, is also a, a good good um, uh, opportunity for, for um, in situ assembly of the implant at the lower thoracic spine, where you um, want to place an implant with a large footprint. Um, and so also at the thoracic spine, I think it's a, it's a very valuable um, technique, uh, especially in patients with poor bone quality, but I believe that it must be uh, carefully developed. So um, indications must be right and um, uh, surgeons who uh, want to try it should feel um, confident and should um, kind of uh, uh, have a have a careful approach to it. Fantastic. Great. Well, thank you so much for for sharing the manuscript for sharing your thoughts on this. This is really uh, helpful and, and uh, looks very promising. Thank you so much.